Welcome to VCR, a Vintage Cinema Rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. And I'm Michael. And uh, today, uh, I don't know why you made me watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was watching this movie uh, Thursday night, and I was like, wow, Blake's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like... Um, when you my first episode on, you let me pick the movie, and I took a big swing with eight and a half. Yeah. So I think the message here is don't let me pick the movies anymore. <laughs> I think we're lie. kind of uh, spoiling our opinion on this movie pretty <laughs> close out of the gate. But, but uh, yeah, it's part two of Martin Scorsese month. Woo um, woo. Yeah, he's got a big movie coming up. This Do you know year. specifically when it's coming out? Uh, it's coming out in October. Oh, so a while from now. Yeah, we've okay. got a little while, but this is when it fit into our schedule to do these. So, okay. so we're doing them now. Um, so we did Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear first from 91. Yeah. And now we're doing The Last Temptation of Christ from 1988. This is actually the movie that the reason why Cape Fear was created by... Martin Scorsese or directed by Scorsese because without, really? without The Last Temptation of Christ, Martin Scorsese wouldn't have gotten into this deal. Basically, he made the deal with, I think it was Universal, to essentially they were like, okay, we'll allow you to make this very controversial movie based on this very controversial book if you'll do a very commercial movie for us in, a, in the next couple of years. Kind we'll of let thing. you make this weird movie as long as you make a good one afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I should... um. I should explain my rationale for why I picked this movie is um, I mentioned in our Cape Fear episode that like I'm not really a Scorsese guy. I mean, I know who he is. I know his big movies. He's kind of known for doing these kind of like highbrow crime thrillers. So I was thinking we should do not a highbrow crime thriller. Right. And then I heard about The Last Temptation of Christ, which stars Willem Dafoe as Jesus Christ. And that it was based again, it was based. It's a controversial movie based on a controversial book so i argued we should do this movie and you relented which was a mistake (laughs) (laughs) sometimes blake does know best yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah we i had a lot of uh, other movies on the list like honestly so i I left this up to you guys to pick completely because i end up having a lot of final say on on a lot of our movies that's Um, right so I left this one up to you guys. Personally, I think After Hours was the one that most intrigued me because it was a Scorsese comedy that's potentially considered one of his more underrated films. He does have a lot of crime films, so we kind of tried to shy away from that because Goodfellas is the obvious choice if we're doing yeah. crime because we haven't done Goodfellas yet. Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, yeah. yeah. But we also did The Godfather this year. And so like, you got to spread those out a little bit and have those in your back pocket to do later. Um, Every now and then you need some biblical historical fiction to like round <laughs> things out. Which, yeah. And we've done Ben-Hur on this podcast already. I so. was thinking a lot about Ben-Hur while watching this movie yeah. and thinking at times about how I'd rather be watching Ben-Hur. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. But we'll probably talk about that more in the uh, deep dive episode later when we get to our personal opinions and, and maybe some comparisons to, to that film. Sure. What I do want to say before we talk about The Last Temptation, we jump into the plot summary, characters and everything, is we should probably kind of talk about this a little bit. Like, this isn't a religious podcast. Um, No. So you and I are coming at this with, like, you know, we're both a couple of white kids. and So white. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) They grew up in, like, small town Canada. So we were both raised, like, with... Well, you're... Anglican, right? 
like technically, I guess. Right. You're technically Anglican in the same way that I'm technically Catholic. Exactly. Like so, neither of our, we didn't grow up in extremely religious household, no, households. And, and, and so like, and again, this is a movie podcast. So we're coming at this from like an entertainment perspective and a perspective of like, who should watch this movie in 2023 and not like, does this follow the Bible kind of thing? Yeah. Because you and I, like, you know, we know the general plot beats of the Bible, but. Sure. Like, I mean, everyone in the West kind of does. Exactly. So, but like, you know, we're not coming at this like, this didn't follow the Bible exactly. So, for that reason, we don't like this movie kind of thing. We're coming at this from like, did this movie hold up? In this as a movie, as a yeah. Movie. yeah, was it entertaining? Did I enjoy it? Would I recommend it to people? Who would I recommend this to? So that's kind of the perspective we're coming in from this. If you're coming in to this movie for like a religious debate or like something in that headspace, then that's I'm sure you can find other podcasts and other YouTube videos that will explain everything this movie got wrong, exactly. Yeah, and I found a couple of them in researching this movie, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe on with that little tantalizing note, we should jump into the plot summary. Yeah, for sure. So it's The Last Temptation of Christ follows, you guessed it, Jesus Christ during his, uh, I guess you could say his formative years. As uh, the movie starts, he's a carpenter and he's hearing voices. He's hearing supposedly the voice of God and it follows him launching his ministry and then you kind of know the story he goes around he preaches and he gets into trouble and that's the movie kind of what's interesting about this movie is that it basically follows you know the same archetypical story but what's interesting is how it characterizes jesus yeah like at the at the end of the day like yeah you kind of described it as like a, a film about the story of Jesus's life, but it's really at its heart, it's a character drama about the the guy, yeah, the like, man, and, the man, not not so much the myth, exactly. And like you know, as as a man having uh, fears and doubts about himself and doubts about what he's doing and preaching and 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 kind of like an imperfect look at somebody who's supposed to be. Perfect. perfect more than way. perfect exactly yeah which is what makes this movie interesting but it's what also makes it so controversial exactly. there's um there's a great moment kind of early on where jesus is speaking to another religious person and you know this religious person is like oh man like you're so lucky god actually talks to you like i would give anything to know like you know i would give anything to know like the mind of god or to hear the word of god and jesus kind of laughs bitterly and says you think it's so great knowing what god wants from me and then he has this really kind of great speech which to me was kind of the highlight of the movie where jesus kind of just admits all his faults right he says that his god is fear that he's consumed with fear you know he confesses to having all these very human failings and basically his whole idea is like how am i supposed to be the messiah when like i'm not even in his mind anyway he's not even a good man right so and yeah, it's kind of attempting to bring an element of like, let's say, psychological realism to this very kind of, I guess you could say, this very religious figure. And I can see how that would be incendiary to some people who worship this guy. Right. Yeah. So 
yeah, that, no, that's a good plot summary. Uh, in terms of characters and people you may know, and this is probably also part of the reason why you were so drawn to this, is Jesus is played by Willem Dafoe. Willem freaking Dafoe. Yeah, who's, who's probably a favorite on this podcast. We've only done one other movie of his so far, Platoon, but both you and I really enjoyed him in that movie. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny. In Platoon, I mentioned how weird it was seeing Willem Dafoe playing a good guy. If I thought it was weird seeing him play a good guy, <laughs> imagine how weird it was seeing him play Jesus Christ. The good guy. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> ultimate good guy. <laughs> and you know what? Like, again, Willem Dafoe... He does a good job. Like he's got this is a good Willem Dafoe performance overall. It's extremely vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah. And it's it's funny because he's known for playing bad guys, but you know, we've at this point we've only done two good roles for him and and they're both good good, good guys. Yeah. 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 Um and it's just like Willem Dafoe is just such a great actor and so believable. And I mean, he's got such like sinister features too, but like you believe him as Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got this very kind of like he's kind of got this like wide-eyed, innocent, like boyish charm to the role. Right. And so yeah, you might know Willem Dafoe, like I said, talked about the platoon already in a previous episode. Boondock Saints is always going to be my favorite of his. Yep. Uh, also known as the Green Goblin in the Spider-Man series, who I think he really enjoys playing because I think he's talked about wanting to potentially reprise that role in the future again. Well, he did reprise it for No Way Home. He did, And yes. he was arguably the best part of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen it, sadly. but It's a good one. Um, yeah, I've heard that, but I'm not a huge Spider-Man guy, so... Uh, not not the top of my list to watch. Okay. Once it comes to a streaming site, I'll watch it. Maybe it should be on a streaming site already. It's been over a year. That's true. Yeah. I'm just bad Come with on. my Spider-Man. Come on, Blake. You movies. act like you're extremely overworked or something. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sad. Uh, so our next main character is Judas. Uh, he's kind of you know the big bad of the Bible, probably like the guy who ratted Jesus out and yeah. uh, caused his crucifixion. He's played by Harvey Keitel in this movie, which Harvey Keitel is a important actor to my filmography and, and what I like to watch. Like he's in a lot of Quentin Tarantino's big movies like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and especially Pulp Fiction. Like he's my favorite character. In- the Wolf. Yeah, The Wolf. If you remember. <laughs> I love The Wolf. Um, uh, what does he say in that movie? Like, pretty please with sugar on top. <laughs> yeah. I act quick. I talk quick. And uh, yeah. Something like that. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think the funniest gag in that movie is when he says, "I'll be there in ten minutes," and then it's like seven minutes later. Like, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> zipping it. Yeah. Anyway, so he's also known for the Irishman. Like he actually, he's uh, a frequent collaborator of Martin Scorsese. So he that was where you'd most recently have seen him. Um, but he's also important to the National Treasure series. Uh, he was in Grand Budapest Hotel of recent. Hmm. He's really known for his tough guy presence in films, and he kind of has that in this film. We'll probably discuss and dissect his performance uh, later I l- in the film. I really liked what they did with Judas in this movie, for okay. the most part. I'm going to debate you on that pretty hard. All right. Then. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? There, there's there's levels to my my thought process on on his performance of Judas, but okay. But anyway, more on that later. Mary Magdalene is the probably third main character of the film. Yeah, um, the prostitute that Jesus brings into his his group of apostles. Um, the childhood friend. Yeah. he's kind of they're in love, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It, 
they 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 have their own relationship. We'll they're, we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Played by Barbara Hershey, uh, who I didn't really know super well. Um, however, she is in quite a few things, especially of recent. She uh she's was in the Once Upon a Time show playing oh. Cora Mills um for a number of episodes and then she's also been in all of the insidious insidious movies i'm not familiar with either i've watched insidious one it wasn't my favorite horror movie so i haven't seen any other wait did you on that is insidious the one with patrick wilson yeah okay i think you showed me that uh, recently no we haven't watched it together recently we okay. watched uh you and i watched uh haunting in connecticut oh yeah yeah that one's a good movie that i really is a like good haunting movie. in connecticut but Insidious, I thought, was silly. Um, but <laughs> well, anyway. if you thought it was silly, I'm really going to think it's silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, other, so those are kind of the three main cast of the film. But there are some, like, there's honestly, there's a number of actors in this that are relatively famous actors, starred in a lot of famous things. Uh, I'm only going to actually name two of them. I think I know which one you're going to bring up next, but go on. David Bowie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. David Bowie has a role in this. He plays Pontius Pilate, the Roman leader who ordered Jesus's crucifixion. He has a like a relatively quick cameo in the film, honestly. It's almost kind of like, I watched this movie on Thursday night. We're recording on Sunday. And when he showed up, I sat up straight. I'm like, that's fucking David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. I like he's it's a good performance from him. Yeah, uh, it's 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 minor though. And yeah. it's very like subdued for yeah. David Bowie. I would I would have liked more of of his scenes. Like it's, maybe one extra scene of it's his. It's almost like a little distracting, yeah. right? You're just like, is that David Bowie? <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's not acting like David Bowie. He's it's very like restrained yeah so i i could have used one more david bowie as pontius pilot scenes i guess so yeah or just have him do something like more memorable because he just kind of stands there and talks yeah and it's almost to jesus he doesn't a, even talk all that much either. it's almost kind of like bringing in christopher walken for one very important serious scene and then having him leave the movie so you're you just mean like, like pulp fiction yeah actually yeah. <laughs> no 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 but that was funny and like <laughs> yeah, it was it was memorable it was memorable it's almost like just having christopher walken play like I don't know, like a bit part, and then being like, "All right, thanks, Chris. We'll finish. We'll take it from here." That happens, yeah. Sometimes I guess so. Yeah. People like to do cameos all the time. That's the, what it was. It was like a cameo appearance. Yeah, it was a cameo, like, and, and that's all you could say. Although he did have top billing, um, which again is probably I guess that's using that's the name as a draw, right? Star power. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall though when Scorsese called up David Bowie and said, "How'd you like to play uh, Pontius Pilate, the guy who <laughs> condemns Jesus to death?" <laughs> The most, one of the most hated figures in history. And David Bowie was like, yes, of course, Malty, I'll be right there. That's not a David Bowie voice. (laughs) That wasn't even close. Oh, God. Uh, The other actor that I wanted to mention is Harry Dean Stanton appears in this. He plays Paul. Uh, the apostle so right he's a character actor but he's a character actor of the 70s and 80s in a lot of my favorite movies he was in alien he was in escape new york he was in christine he was in repo man like kind of sci-fi horror films uh thrillers that sort of thing i definitely heard the name before yeah like if you pulled up his face you'd be like yeah i've seen him um and other things but like i said every time i see him in a film i'm like all right like i'm in kind of thing you know he's he's kind of got because of the films that he's in and because of my relationship to those movies i'm always like excited to see him in films and he kind of elevates the films for me a little bit when he's in yeah he just kind of like he brings it up almost a full letter grade yeah 
Almost. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Scorsese, the director. We haven't really talked too much detail about him. We talked about him in the last episode, honestly. Sure. Um, But, you know, known for a lot of his crime films. Like like I said, him and Harvey Keitel collaborated a number of times together. um, And uh, as well, Robert De Niro and him. I was thinking about Robert De Niro a little bit when I was preparing for the episode because Robert De Niro was originally considered for the role of Jesus would have been a very different movie uh, with him as Jesus. I almost can't even picture him as Jesus. If you think it's hard picturing uh, Willem Dafoe as Jesus, it's almost like I'm just furrowing my brow trying to imagine it, yeah. especially hot off the heels of Cape Fear. Yeah. Right? Exactly. I think it would just, it almost kind of reminds me of like um, when John Wayne played Genghis Khan. It's just, you're just, it's, it would almost just be unbelievable or like, preposterous right well and on that note too like the way that this film is structured is the jewish people in this film are played by americans and the roman people are played by british people so there's the british accent and the new york american accent um and everybody's white more or less in this film that takes place in In, the middle east and was that a conscious choice by scorsese yes that was a conscious choice to structure it like that and you know like is it to give the jewish people kind of a more familiar everyman vibe and to give the romans a more like imperious overbearing presence i wouldn't be shocked if that was the intention you know and and i could see if somebody was an absolute purist uh being offended by that however we sure. have seen this a number of times uh happen and most recently i think it was 2019 the tv miniseries chernobyl where all of the russian characters were played by british people so in that case like you know if, if you i think if you pivot everybody into a different uh nationality and you just kind of go with it then it kind of works i'd never really thought about it that way but i guess maybe you're trying to avoid maybe you think it'll be easier for like a western audience to connect with a more traditionally western aesthetic yeah i guess that makes sense well i mean probably the western would picture jesus as uh white most of the time yeah also i mean yeah good point (laughs) there's also that too well like think of um the last samurai right and uh tom cruise playing a samurai like that that rubbed people the wrong way and yeah that like that's kind of understandable because you know everybody except for him in that film is asian and so like and then there's tom cruise and then there's tom cruise <laughs> so it's like i don't know it this is a whole race thing yeah i don't, I don't like it's not i don't necessarily agree with it i i don't agree with like that i don't necessarily agree with it in this film but i can kind of understand it in well this movie was a different time too yeah so... that's kind of that's the other thing to i miss. mean this definitely wouldn't fly today no and i don't think it should fly today um, no I, like i think that i think in a sense that it does this film a bit of disservice however because it was so coordinated with you know the british playing the romans and the the americans playing the jewish people of jerusalem like i can i i think that it works slightly more yeah potentially um i guess the closest kind of companion piece to this movie would be like the passion of the christ right and was that i haven't seen it but they actually like you know didn't they actually do like they spoke in like aramaic in that movie or something they did Um, i don't know what the like what they did for like the casting choices but yeah and i mean that movie is its own other 
kettle of fish with our good friend Mel Gibson, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I think I think the moral of the story is in today's environment, and and in the past you should have, but in today's environment you should absolutely be casting the races and nationalities of the characters and and how those characters are supposed to be really yeah and i mean you know there's other potentially like shaky ethical things about this movie that we can talk about later but that's a conversation for next week's episode (laughs) but (laughs) just keep the controversies rolling yeah i guess so (laughs) oh man this movie is hard to talk about um who is this movie for so I I think I'm gonna give you the floor to start. Oh with come this on, one because you picked this movie and uh, and yeah, the floor is yours. All right, I see how it is. Um, <laughs> I guess if what we just said sounds interesting to you, like you'd like to see a more kind of, <clears throat> and I say this with massive air quotes, more like psychologically realistic portrayal of this kind of arguably the most iconic story in Western civilization, then you should check it out. Yeah, that's who I'd recommend it to. I mean, I wanted to see it just because I'm starting to kind of warm up to Scorsese and I wanted to see what a non-obvious Scorsese movie looked like. Right. And yeah, I saw it, didn't I? So <laughs> <laughs> You sure did, Michael. Yeah, I guess maybe like, and then I don't know, I know there's the book and the book is also controversial, but like if you're a fan of the book as well. Um, I don't know, like, if you're a hardcore Christian, if you're going to want to see this movie or not. That's And that's an interesting I discussion. I almost kind of wish one of us was, you know, a believer to see how... I would almost like if one of us was, like, a devout Christian just to see how they reacted to it. Well, but, and, and so here's the thing, and, and this is a discussion that I, I kind of wanted to have with you now, is let's break this film into three parts. The first two parts of the like part one and part three are heavy into the the mind of jesus as a flawed human being yes um and as a human being with fears and doubts um and who makes mistakes and so those parts are obviously the parts that are heavily not represented in the bible the middle part is really like the representation of jesus in the bible telling the stories of his miracles and the stuff that he did in his life and a lot of that comes directly from the bible like with you know obvious like not word for words like what he was doing or talking about or saying kind of thing sure and but i mean even those sections do portray him as kind of flawed and unsure yeah not so much well not so much flawed i was gonna say just Just unsure of himself extremely unsure of himself right right? like there's um the famous story in the bible you know jesus resurrecting lazarus there's that it's actually a pretty good scene in the movie where he like he rolls the boulder away from lazarus's tomb and then he reaches out and lazarus like reaches a hand out to and Jesus almost kind of has this look on his face, like I can't believe that worked. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like whoa. <laughs> and so, and so that's kind of the, my thinking here is to bring this back to the reason why I was going to bring this up is like, you know, if if you're a very religious person, you know, you might be perturbed by the first and third part of this film because it's such a deviation from like your original original source material. But if you're somebody who's like you know, a religious casual, I guess I would say. <laughs> a filthy casual, yeah. <laughs> uh, like you and I, like we, like I said, we grew up in, in like, you know, we, we, we were baptized, like we grew up and, and learned about religion and the stories of the Bible. 
Yeah, we got it. Yeah, like we got the, the gist the, of it. The first and third part to me actually worked more from an like a an interesting entertainment film perspective than the middle part, which I was like, yeah, okay, I already know all this stuff. Like, yeah. why, like why am I rehashing this? Again? And that's kind of interesting. Is that like the plot for the most part, except for one kind of deviation at the end, the plot beats are more or less the same as in the Bible. It's just yeah, for the most part, there are some wild deviations, but occasionally but like you know even someone like me uh you know a self-proclaimed filthy casual like yeah in the middle part of this movie i'm like oh we're doing this now we're doing this now like it's kind of like it's like they're playing the hits yeah and so like and so as as a religious cash i think for me like at the middle part i kind of struggle with because again i was like this is the familiar stuff like i want to see yeah we've been here before yeah Yeah. you know like and this has been done so many times you know like i'm i'm more interested in in the unique take on Jesus's life here. But if you are a super religious person, you're going to be like the first and third part are a blasphemous, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, there is one detail towards the very beginning of the movie that actually really made me sit up straight. I don't know if we should save it for a spoiler. Well, let's episode. talk about it in spoilers. The other thing I was going to say as well is like this film doesn't shy away from violence at all. Like, nope. that's kind of Martin Scorsese's uh, thing like he he often portrays violence um in a, in a pretty flashy or realistic way depending on the, which film it is but you know in all fairness like the bible does depict some stuff is pretty brutal yeah so, come on <laughs> so some of those stories but then there's the yeah again there's the thing of like you know if, if i was a super religious person i might not want all this violence and and you know pretty graphic stuff like th- there's some pretty graphic nudity in this film there's some sure pretty is. graphic like sacrifices and and stuff like that like it's a pretty gory film honestly (laughs) kind of yeah but like like in that sense it's kind of probably portraying some of what life back then in some in some ways it's kind of faithful to the subject matter yeah pun somewhat intended so you know there's just like uh there's just so many uh, what is the word i'm looking for because of all of these different um, contradictions, that's the word I'm looking for. This is, um, I think we should just say, it. this is kind of a hard movie to recommend, isn't it? it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, it's not even that I, it sounds like you and I have strong feelings about the movie. I didn't particularly dislike it that much, which I, isn't exactly a ringing endorsement. No, but I didn't actively hate the film, but it's not like one that I will ever return to. Yeah. Whereas to compare like the obvious, again, the obvious comparison here is Ben-Hur, one of the biggest religious related films of this time period ever made. And Ben-Hur was incredible and I will definitely go and check that out. But it uses Jesus as like a a force in the background. Yeah, it's actually the way they, this movie and Ben-Hur portray Jesus, it's almost the polar opposites. Like Mm -hmm. in Ben-Hur, you never see Jesus's face and he never speaks. He is, you're right. He's just kind of this overbearing supernatural force. Whereas in this movie, Jesus is kind of whiny and cowardly at times yeah yeah and and this is the other thing too and i'll talk about this more when we get into the deep dive but this film has a much smaller budget than something like ben-hur does at sure. the time and it wasn't like a a film that that studios were necessarily jumping to make either so there was a lot of constraints in making this and so it, it doesn't have the same kind of grand set pieces that ben-hur does it's a very it's, minimalistic film yeah this is almost a very um it's a very intimate movie in the yeah. sense that it's you're right it's kind of small 
Yeah. It's small. It's a small scale movie, about- despite being about <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, but I guess you know maybe if I could go there, if you want to go like historically accurate, maybe that is this is a slightly more historically accurate you know yeah I don't uh, even want to i'm not a historian historian, so yeah yeah, i'm I'm sorry (laughs) um oh man i can't believe you made us do this one (laughs) i'll probably say that at least twice more on this um it's not a bad movie it's just it's just so difficult to talk about when it's as a religious movie because yeah the the comparison would be like if they made a movie about muhammad which they would never do but if they did it would be just as difficult to talk about, right? I guess that's kind of the thing is you and I, you know, as we said, we're filthy casuals. So to me, um, and you know, I'm not, I don't mean to upset anyone by saying this, but to me, Jesus is like a character in a story, right? right? But watching this movie, there were different points staring at the screen. I'm like, oh, this is someone's God, Mm -hmm. right? Like, actually, I have people in my life who worship this guy and this movie is, you know, portraying him very differently. But that's kind of why I did... um, I appreciate it that this movie opens with a disclaimer that says, what does it say specifically? It says like, you know, this is not based on the scriptures. It's a work of fiction that depicts an eternal war. I think that disclaimer is extremely important to what kind of the intentions of the movie are. Exactly. Like at the, like I said, at the end of the day, this is a, a character study, a character drama. And if you're interested in that kind of a film, this is probably for you. If As long as you're not hardcore religious to the point where you would say... You know, this is a film that depicts things that weren't in the Bible or depicts ideas that that Jesus has that maybe conflict with my ideas of Jesus. Like, obviously, then that film isn't for you. But if if you're okay with that sort of idea, maybe this film is a, a an interesting watch. But you know what? If you are religious and you have seen this movie, like, I'm curious to hear what you thought about it because I can see it going both ways. Right. I think I watched a YouTube video where two priests kind of watched one scene and. In the comments, like, some religious people were saying, like, yeah, this movie sucks, and others were saying, no, like, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, this is this is such a tough movie to talk about. So when to watch, I, this is so obvious and dumb, but. This Sundays. Is, <laughs> this is a Sunday afternoon when <laughs> you watch. And, and not for the obvious reason that, like, Sunday is when you go to church kind of thing, but it's, it's a, almost a three-hour movie, and the pacing isn't always quite there. Like, it's not a 2023 fast-paced movie. So a Sunday afternoon when you're laying on the couch and have nothing else going on, maybe you take a nap around the middle part. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell Blake really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's that's where I would recommend this film. I don't know if you have any other I watched thoughts. it on a Thursday night. I actually to be fair like this movie is three hours long and like I felt the first hour kind of dragged but for the most part like I wasn't bored so so here's my thing is I watched this as well over the work week and for me the middle part I was almost asleep by we got by the time (laughs) we got to the third act and the third act I thought was one of the more compelling parts of the film um yeah and at that point i was just too tired to really get into it you were kind of exhausted by that point yeah exactly yeah. so uh, that's where i think this absolutely fits into a sunday afternoon watch rather than like starting it at it sounds like you uh watched it like a mini series where you just watched over the course of a week no i watched it all in one go oh you did yeah, oh yeah. okay i thought you said you'd like paced yourself no no, no. i watched okay. it all in one go but it uh by by the third act, I was just 
tired and not it kind of reminds me of when we watched vertigo where like the third act for, to us was the only interesting part but by the time we got there we were both like all right yeah <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah and and that's kind of like the movie bodies 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 that is a recent one that i can maybe compare to like I was kind of irritated with the movie for a good portion of it. And then the last act, I was like, oh, that's pretty great. But at the same time, like, you know, if if the last 10 minutes or the last 30 minutes of, of a movie that's three hours long is is the only compelling part to the film, then I can't say it's a good film necessarily. It's kind of like when someone recommends you a show and they're like, well, the first season sucks, but then it gets better. And it's like, why can't it just be good straight out of the gate? <laughs> like. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's uh, again, random. It's kind of like having to recommend BoJack Horseman to people and being like, well, the first six episodes really suck, but then it gets really good. Well, and, and you know what? And, and like sometimes I can I can handle that because it's bite-sized pieces of suck. Sure. Rather than three hours of suck. That you have Two to hours and 45 minutes of hardcore suck. Yeah. Followed by great yeah. Yeah, not yeah. sucking. Exactly. Yeah. It's, same, it's the same story with Mad Men. Like, I always say to mad people with Mad Men, just stick through the first season. Even, like, the second season, I think, is a little slower than the rest of the series. But season three and season four are, like, the greatest seasons of Yeah, TV but you ever. know what? You showed me the first episode of Mad Men, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, true, true. Yeah. Anyway. This episode has been brought to you by Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Random Tangents. Yeah. Uh, where to watch? So right now it's streaming on Prime. I had some quality issues though while I was streaming on Prime. It was really weird. Like I had some weird choppiness to it. Oh, I, I did too. I thought that was my connection. Okay, so I think that that's probably consistent on Prime across the board. Then I wanted to ask. You okay. That, so that's it's really the first time that I've had like a, a choppy film. Did you have like Prime. sound dropping in and out at times? Uh, my sound. I didn't notice any sound. Problems. Okay, that might have just been me. Yeah, I just yeah, it was it was choppy frames and stuff like that. But it's interesting that you and I both experienced poor quality of this one on there. Yeah. And I think that is our spoiler-free discussion of Last Temptation of Christ. That's right. So, yeah, I think uh, this one's going to be for a very small fraction of our viewer base and of viewer bases in general. You but- know what, though? I will say, it sounds you and I didn't enjoy this movie all that much, but it is interesting to talk about. And sometimes that's better than a movie that you enjoy, but you have nothing to say about afterwards. Yeah, that's that's very fair. The, there's a lot of movies that you watch and you never spend an extra half a brain cell thinking about ever again. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know what? I there's also think- people like that. <laughs> <laughs> like I had, a, I had a good time with so-and-so, but I'll never think about them again. <laughs> yeah, that's completely fair as well. So anyway, we will... See you next week. Yeah, uh, for the deep dive episode. Bye.